Hello and welcome into the Gotta Be Saints podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Gotta. Join me each week as I speak with future saints about being saints. Today's podcast is titled The Catholic Case for Intelligent Design. I have with me Dr. Brian Miller. Dr. Miller, thank you so much for coming on. It's a pleasure to be here. Before we get started here, I want to shout out our sponsors. That is the Catholic Company. They are a one-stop shop for all your Catholic needs, from rosaries to books to clothing. They have it all. So I invite you to check out their store. And if you use code BRENDAN, that's B-R-E-N-D-A-N, you can get 20% off any order. Secondarily, I want to shout out Good Catholic. They are a digital media conglomerate of Trinity Road and an excellent spot for you to find out more knowledge on the faith. They have wonderful digital series that invite you to grow deeper in your faith and invite you to learn new things that you might not have learned before. Our newest series is on overcoming stress and anxiety. You can use code GBS for 20% off your order. That's GBS for 20% off your order. So as I said, we're here talking about the Catholic case for intelligent design. Uh, Dr. Miller, I just want to give you a a minute to introduce yourself to our audience. Uh, Sure. I am the research coordinator for the Center of Science and Culture at the Discovery Institute. And what that means is I work with scientists around the world in the study of nature based on the understanding that the world is designed. So, for instance, when biologists look at complex molecular machines in life, I partner them with engineers to help them incorporate engineering principles, logic, and tools to help understand the design that they're seeing. So that's just kind of an overview of what I do. I also do writing and speaking. Oh, thank you. I'm Just as I'm talking to you, I'm already thinking my wife is going to like this podcast. She's an engineer, so uh, I think she'll she'll find great value in it. Uh, but, But we're here today to talk about your new book, God's Grandeur. And to my understanding, it's it's written by multiple people, um, you you included. So firstly, can you just tell the listener a little bit about this book and what led you to contribute? Uh, certainly. And I first want to just really honor um, a biologist named Ann Gager. And she's a convert to Catholicism. And she was one of the early res- researchers looking at biology from the perspective it was designed. And she realized that there wasn't as much material on intelligent design for the Catholic community. So she brought together Catholic scientists like myself, philosophers, theologians, and other academics to basically make the case, write individual chapters making the case, that both life shows evidence of design and recognizing that evidence is essential for Catholic theology and moral teaching. Mm. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. So with with this book, then, what led you to to kind of be be one of the contributors and and what is the uh you know if someone were to just see this book on the shelf what would be the first thing that you'd hope that they would would see well it it's a very personal issue for me because when i was went to college i became pretty convinced that god didn't exist and part of the reason for that is i read richard dawkins book the blind watchmaker and for listeners who are not familiar with richard dawkins he's one of the patron saints of atheism He wrote the book, The God Delusion, which I think speaks for itself. And I became convinced after reading him and other authors that life was simply an unintended accident of nature. And if that's the case, and God probably doesn't exist, and when I die, I'm just going to cease to exist. So that was really disheartening. 
so I said, God, I don't know if you exist, but if you do exist, you have to prove it to me because I'm a scientist. I was studying physics. I just can't follow this blindly. And God really answered that prayer. He directed my life to meet just really top-level scientists and philosophers and, and theologians who were able to show me that the positive evidence for design in nature is overwhelming and how that is such a significant truth for the foundation of my faith and how it points to a creator. And that, plus other studies, led me back to the Christian faith. And what I have done over the last several decades is I've helped other students who are going through similar journeys, who are feeling uh, similar challenges to their faith. And what I found is when I've been able to present the evidence to them that they're not an unintended accident, but they're created, then that often will help them break free from the mental shackles of materialist philosophy. And then that gives them the space to pursue God. And many of them really become Christian after that point. So for me, I was delighted to be able to contribute chapters to the, to the book. And I talked about the evidence of design and cosmology, which is a study of our universe, and how the laws of physics seem to have been very carefully designed with life in mind. And also I, I wrote about how when you look at a cell, you see very clear evidence, one, that it's the product of a mind, and two, that it could not come about through a blind, undirected process. Mm. <clears throat> that's that's awesome. And and very uh it, for for the science mind, I think is gonna get a lot of people thinking for sure. Um so the book the book folks focuses on you know clearing up common misconceptions regarding intelligent design. Uh, can you first just elaborate a little on the concept of intelligent design and how it differs from maybe other explanations of the origin of life in the universe? And yes. then from there, maybe we can talk about some of the misconceptions that are connected to this. Yes. So what happens is, uh, is that when people talk about design and nature, often people think that they're making a purely religious argument or purely a biblical argument that people, let's say, interpret Genesis, um, the, the six days of creation in Genesis is literal, so they don't want to believe in modern science. But really, the idea of intelligent design is the idea that when you look at nature, you see positive evidence of a mind, that there was a mind who put things in nature together in such a way to achieve a purpose. And that permeates all of science. So if you look at, let's say, as I mentioned, the laws of nature, the laws don't seem to be just random laws, but they were carefully chosen to allow for stars to form, to allow for planets to form. When you look at cells, they don't seem to be just random conglomerations of molecules, but you see an engineering blueprint that was the source of their order. When you look at the human body, there's many unique features of the human body that clearly were created deliberately to allow us to have communion with each other, with God, and to do science. So the intelligent design framework is simply a scientific program that uses the intuition that the nature is designed to help guide research, to help us to understand nature in a deeper and more accurate way. And then from there, what are the common misconceptions that you, that you see? Uh, well, as I alluded to just briefly, um, one of the misconceptions is that it's a religious argument. It basically is a form of creationism where uh, people are just looking at the Bible and saying, I'm interpreting the Bible in a certain way, Therefore, I'm going to force the scientific evidence to fit my view of the Bible. And that's not the case. It's, it's essentially not dealing with interpretations of Genesis. It's not dealing with theology. 
It's simply asking the question, does the evidence point to design or does it suggest it's simply a product of natural processes, chance of time? The second misconception is that it's the God of the gaps argument. That's the idea that we look at nature, there's something that we simply can't understand from a natural process. Um, and that gap in our knowledge, we sort of insert God into. So we don't understand it yet, so God did it. And what inevitably could happen if people do that is as science advances, that gap could be filled with some natural explanation. And then it sort of it sort of overturns people's faith. And that's completely false. Again, what we're arguing is that, yes, we do see clear evidence that a lot of the order we see in life and other aspects of nature could not have happened through natural processes. But we also argue we see very clear positive evidence of design, clear signatures of design. Um, an analogy would be with the movie Contact with Jodie Foster. When she received the signal from space that had the schematics of a spaceship, she knew that that wasn't produced by solar radiation or natural processes, but it was a mind that sent her that signal for a purpose. Uh, another misconception is that it's somehow inconsistent with Catholic theology. And the concern people present is that people that believe in design are simply describing life as machines, which sort of reduces life to something um, beneath what God had intended it to be. That's also false because there's the recognition that life and humans are far, far, far more than machines. But what happens is life employs machines like bacterial motors and information processing and other engineering solutions to problems. So we see clear evidence of design and that helps us to understand life, but there is the understanding that that will never be sufficient to fully understand life. Um, and also another misconception is that it's inconsistent with historic Catholic teaching. And the truth is the exact opposite. If you go back to the fathers and doctors of the church, they consistently rejected the idea that natural processes in themselves explains all the order we see in life. And they also believed that when you look at the order in life, which looks similar to the order in human creations, that points to God as our creator. So the book uh, helps to overturn these misconceptions and show how the scientific evidence, Catholic theology, and church history support the idea that life is the product of design and not an unintended accident in nature. Mm, that's, that's beautifully said. Thank you so much. Uh, the other thing I saw in the book is just looking at the notes. The book focuses on what separates humans from the rest of creation. Can you talk a little bit about that? Uh, certainly. And this, again, I'm not a theologian. I'm, I'm not an expert in this. And there's other authors that did a beautiful job of addressing this. So I'll just talk about it very superficially. But one of the core principles of Catholic theology is that humans are special creations by God. We're deliberate creations by God. I think it was Pope Benedict said that we are not an accident of evolution, but we're a thought of God. We're deeply loved, to paraphrase. And when you look at the science, it confirms that perspective because humans anatomically and emotionally and physiologically are very, very different from other animals. Our hands have the ability to handle tools with extraordinary precision. Our faces have far more gestures than what a chimpanzee could make since we have more complex social relationships. We have upright posture that allows us to manage tools. We have much less hair so what that means is that when we sweat, we can lose heat more efficiently. It allows us to, to be much more active than many other animals. 
And again, when you look at the fossil record, often people will see in textbooks this very neat and tidy progression going from an ape-like creature to a human, and experts in the field know that's completely inaccurate. What you find in the fossil record is it seems to be this abrupt change going from an ape-like creature to a human with a much more advanced brain. And often what people call transitional fossils are really more like our cousins. They're just related to us in superficial ways. So again, when you look at the human body, it appears to have been deliberately designed for humans to have special capacities that God intended us to have. We'll be right back. Interested in learning more about your faith? I invite you to check out Good Catholic. They are a digital media brand focused on sharing and teaching about the faith. From podcasts to blogs to digital series, Good Catholic has it all. Use the code in the show notes to get 20% off your order at Good Catholic. Mm. It's just I'm enjoying listening to you because it's just getting me to I am not a scientist by any stretch, and and I'll be the first to admit to even understanding how sometimes, you know, <laughs> I hate to say it, but how basic biology works. You know, sometimes it's not even my forte, but it, it's just in hearing you talk, I think it's just beautiful, um, the ability to connect science to to the human person in a, in a very real and tangible way. Uh, it just, it lends an even greater uh image to to who god is and what he's he's done and is capable of doing um so my next question for you kind of is you know how does the book address the relationship between the church's teachings on evolution and the concept of intelligent design and and then from there are these are there points of convergence or tension between these ideas or is it is it pretty pretty clean what happens is, and again, it's it can be a bit complex. And what's really beautiful about Catholic theology is it tries to only speak where the evidence is clear and what has been the historic uh, Catholic faith. So there's an openness. So the basic recognition of the Catholic Church is that God has revealed truth through scripture, church tradition, and also through nature. So there can never be a conflict. And what happens is there are certain clear statements that humans are created by God. We're not an accident. We have a purpose. We have an, we have an immaterial soul. But the question of exactly how did, how did God create earth or how did God create humans? Um, they say there's, there's enough space for us to engage meaningfully the evidence. That's kind of what's really nice is it really is let's follow the evidence wherever it leads and not overstate our case. Now, that being said, Um, what's become more clear over the last several decades is that there are some enormous tensions between Catholic theology and the standard evolutionary model, what people would call Darwinism or neo-Darwinism or the modern synthesis and Catholic teaching. And and really one of the places this is clearest is is in a book it's called um, uh, by Ken Miller and his book is an attempt I think it was Darwin's God. I can't remember the exact title. And his book was an attempt to reconcile Catholic theology with with, um, evolution. But he says in the book that he agrees with the statement that we're a happenstance of nature, that we could just as easily have not existed. 
And again, that's in direct conflict with the idea that we're created by God as a deliberate act of his will. Also, if you look at the standard um, model as it's presented in the public, the idea is that every aspect of the human body is something that occurred through random mutations, through random circumstances. So that means that every proclivity we have for evil, every tendency we have to do bad things is not because of a broken relationship with God, but it's simply because of random mutations that happened in the past and random circumstances, which is deeply problematic. Hmm. Also, if you look at the, um, the theology is often built on the idea of the true, the good, and the beautiful. And if you look at the idea of what's good, in a Darwinian framework, what happens is what's good is survival of the fittest. So if you even read fairly recent research papers, they'll argue that the reason humans are altruistic is because of what's called kin selection. And that's basically the idea that people will help those more genetically similar to themselves at the expense of those who are less genetically similar to themselves. And I think it's obvious to the listener that that's something that's going to foster things like oppression and racism a lot more than altruism, universal altruism for people of all backgrounds. Also, the idea from a Darwinian framework is beauty is arbitrary, that we simply find things beautiful because of selective pressures. But that's completely different from the idea that beauty is a transcendent truth that comes from the character, nature, and purpose of God. So again, what you find is the Darwinian framework, as it's understood and presented, undermines the foundations of goodness, beauty, and truth. In contrast, the design framework says that we are created by God, so we have inherent value because we're his creation, that we have a moral compass that God revealed. And it makes sense because if someone designs a car, the person who designs the car gives you a car manual because the designer knows how the car works. In the same way, God created us so he knows how we can work best, what promotes human flourishing, what prevents the, pr- promotes the flourishing of society. So the design framework is essential to the understanding of even the, the most basic moral theology. So for those reasons, uh, the book argues that a design framework is much more consistent with the historic Christian faith and with the catechism. Mm. Well, Dr. Miller, I appreciate you so much for for sharing all the things that you've you've shared so far, um, and I think you've answered numerous questions for the listeners. But I I, I want to ask you just one more: if, if you had to give two or three reasons that the everyday Catholic should pick up this book, what would they be? Well, the first reason is because what you find um, so often is that people raised in the church, and I'd be one of these people, actually, I was raised Catholic, but but lost my faith in college. They lose their faith because what happens is they're taught in school from the perspective that they're unintended accidents of nature. So they're trained to see the world from this very secular narrative that they're simply an accident in nature. The purpose of life is to, is to make money and be happy, and then you die. And what happens is when you look at the evidence that were created by God, that's the foundation of the Christian story. We're created by God, so we create us with a purpose. And when you understand that and you look for that purpose, it can transform a person's life. Also, what's happened is many Catholic theologians and Bible scholars, for very, very sincere reasons, have been led to believe that the evolutionary story is true. So they have to essentially reinterpret church tradition, reinterpret theology, reinterpret scripture in such a way to make it accommodate these secular creation narratives. And that's creating lots of problems. So I think it's important for the next generation in the church to understand 
that the historic Catholic faith promotes design and denies this idea of scientific materialism, that everything is a product of chance time and chance and time. And also the book talks about how this idea of design is the foundation for um, moral theology. It's the foundation for our understanding of the Eucharist. There's a beautiful chapter by Michael Chabrak that goes into that. And mm. I go into it because I can't do it justice. But it really shows you how the design framework is a golden thread that links all of Catholic theology together. It links it with modern science and it links it to how the church can be a model of transformation and restoration of the world. Oh, it's beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Miller. I want to give you a chance for any final thoughts slash where can someone get this book? You can go to Sophia Press um, and get this book. And it's on Amazon. It's, you know, God's grandeur. You can, um, it's and there's a free chapter. If you look up God's grandeur, there's a website for it and you can download that free chapter. And that would be a great start just to give you a sense of what's in there. And I, I really would encourage everyone to read the book because I, I guarantee you that you will be encouraged, inspired, and affirmed in your faith. And if somebody wanted to find more out uh, about you or talk to you or send you a message, is there anywhere they can go? Do you have yeah. a website or in, anything? Yeah, yeah. You could go to, um, you could go to, I've been very bad at of uh, marketing myself. That's never met my friend. Well, that's what I'm here. That's what I'm here <laughs> for. I'm here to. <laughs> I appreciate that. So if you go to, if you go to discovery.org, that's discovery.org and go to the Center for Science and Culture. Um, if you want to send me a message, there is a form that you can just send message. I think it's called, it's like um, info CSC at discovery.org or something like that. But you can send me a message through that form. Um, also, if you go to evolutionnews.org, that's evolutionnews.org. I'm a writer for that, so you can see a lot of my um, my writings. Uh, I um, I helped write a chapter for the book, The Mystery of Life's Origin, The, Con the Continuing Controversy. I wrote a book, a South Africa, I helped with a book on a dialogue between faith and science at AOASIS Press, and you could download that book for free. If you should look up South Africa, Dialogue, Faith and Science, my name, you can download that book for free. And also, if you want to learn more in general about the Intelligent Design Research Program, you can go to intelligentdesign.org. That's intelligentdesign.org. Well, perfect. I will include all of that in the show notes. So if you're listening to this and you want to find these links, just click on the notes and you can find them right there. I I always ask our, my guests two questions, Dr. Miller. So I hope you uh, will let me do that. My first one is, who is on your Mount Rushmore of Saints? Undeniably, for me, it's Albert the Great. And Albert the Great is a person that worked in multiple sciences. He he dealt with logic, psychology, metaphysics, meteorology, mineralogy, zoology. He mentored Thomas Aquinas. And he was a pioneer in applying experimental analysis to science. So he is one of the earliest people that said we actually have to do experiment experiments and, and have empirical knowledge to understand theories and also apply mathematics to the world. So for me, he is one of the great founders of modern science, and he embodies everything I value in terms of mentorship, in terms of integration of faith in the world, and in terms of leading a holy life. That's beautiful. All right, my last question for you, Dr. Miller. God willing, one day you're going to be a saint. What are you going to be the patron saint of? Um, I would be the patron saint of challenging, overwhelming odds, sort of the patron saint of, of almost uh, impossible 
obstacles to overcome. Because when I work, when, when I do my work, I'm trying to um, tell the truth about how nature is designed in the face of overwhelming opposition in terms of what people want to believe. So I think being the patron saint of overcoming overwhelming odds would be what I'd want to be. Oh, it's beautiful. And, and the world so much needs that. So I thank you, Dr. Miller, for for coming on today. This has been a joy getting to talk to you. And I want to just quickly thank our sponsors, The Catholic Company and Good Catholic. Use code Brendan for 20% off at the Catholic Company website and use code GBS for 20% off on the Good Catholic website. And of course, if you enjoyed this podcast today, feel free to hit the sponsor link in the show notes and sponsor this podcast. It really means a lot to us. But thank you so much, Dr. Miller, for coming on. And thank you to our listeners. We invite you to check out this podcast each week. We have a new episode. So thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to subscribe and check out goodcatholic.com for more details.